0: Welcome to Unfederated, a podcast for freelancers hosted by a brother and sister who are polar opposites but have found a way to make a living doing what they love. Hi, Rob. Hey, Sarah. How's it going?
1: Pretty good. Um, my motorcycle wouldn't start earlier and I had to abandon it in front of my friend's house to come here and record this. <sighs>
0: That's sad not the ruckus though right not
1: the ruckus the ruckus would never fail me okay. like that
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is why yeah. i keep riding the ruckus The ruckus gets too much love i
1: know that's probably true yeah i hadn't written it in a long time um and the, so that was on me i knew that it was a possibility yeah so, um but i was a little late so i appreciate you um bearing with me while i abandoned a motorcycle on the side of the road and ran to come to this so how are you doing
0: <laughs> better than you <laughs> um All of my vehicles are in my driveway. Oh, um, I'm doing well, you know, um, I think I mentioned last week that it's a a heavy season for me and work wise, which is great. Mm -hmm. But I think that, um, creates like a different set of problems that we've talked about, uh, in in different aspects of in the past. But Mm. one of those is, uh, which we're going to talk about today is just the notion of trying to stay inspired, uh, doing work and, and how we each kind of approach that. Cause, uh, it, it means a lot when you're in the creative space and you want to do work you're proud of. Yeah. And I think it also means a lot when you're in a busy season, and you just got to keep, keep motivated and like keep pushing, pushing through. Hmm. Um, what kind of things have you learned along the way that have kind of helped you, uh, deal with either of those? the uh, the motivation or the doing quality of work that you're proud of?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, as you were talking about it, I was thinking of that moment that you get to where you're, um, you're like, it's very exciting when you go out on your own and you get, you get your own clients and you're doing work and it's paying you. Like it, it takes a long time for the excitement of that for me to wear off. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it only wears off a little bit and it's on, you know, our, a, a lot of a research project or something that's very very minutiae oriented um where i realize like oh this is really work <laughs> this feels like work right now yeah um and you kind of forget oh it's so exciting i can't believe somebody's paying me to do this i'm in pajama pants or whatever <laughs> um and uh But so I guess I have fewer issues with it than I once did. I mean, it used to be every day was just a struggle going into um, my traditional employer. I loved what I did, but at the same time, I would at least have one moment of real like drudgery every single day. And now it's much more rare. Um, How do you? I know that doesn't answer your question necessarily, but um, how do you? How do you stay inspired? Because it happens so infrequently that I feel. that sense of drudgery that I haven't really had to have as many coping skills for it yet. So I'm still working on it. How do you do it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So my, the first thing that comes to mind is actually kind of what you're saying, but in a different way, like, I think in a lot of ways I became a freelancer so that I could do work. I was proud of, and I've done that and I've been able to do that. And so to some degree the the problem has been minimized just by how I'm approaching my career.
1: True. That is the best solution, I guess. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so like to, to me having, um, and, and I guess to break this down into pieces, I have control over when I work. I have control over who I work with, largely speaking. Um, thankfully I'm in a place business wise where I can be a little more picky and choosy about who I work with. And I have like the autonomy to, you know, pull the rip cord on a project when it's warranted, Mm. you know, and like all three of those things are things that having worked in agencies in the past that I didn't have control over and were probably primarily the source of some of, of the burnout, you know, um, we've talked before about, you know, being able to, when you, when you kind of expire the amount of productive time you have in the day, you just get up and, you know, quote unquote, leave work and go do something else. And, versus having to you know sit at the desk till five thirty to make everyone think you're working really hard, <laughs> and you know there's pieces like that, that that have minimized that need for me a lot, quite quite honestly. And um, but that doesn't mean it still doesn't come. And I think um, for myself, I too probably get a lot of enjoyment of winning at business you know, or yeah. quotes of business. I think
1: you and I both do. Cause we're always texting each other. Like I got the client or <laughs> met this milestone.
0: Yeah. Like it's, I mean, the immediate feedback of the challenge of running a business that I've, I've thought about this a lot. This is a little bit of a tangent, excuse me, but like to me, and I'm speaking like as someone that has their MBA, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like to me, like being a freelancer is kind of the the most simple form of business. Yeah. Um, I think we've, we've both probably worked places in the past where like the, the hardest part of my job took place between the desk and the door, hmm. you know, like it wasn't the clients I was working with. It wasn't the, the, you know, the services we were providing. It was like dealing with all the other people in the office <laughs> and the, you, you know, the bureaucracy or the egos or the, whatever those things are. Yeah. You know? And, and like, as a one person show, that's, I mean, that part has been removed, you know? So like if sales sucks, it's my fault. If sales is awesome, it's my fault. If, (laughs) you know, customer service sucks, it's my fault. If it's awesome, my fault, you know? (laughs) So it's like the, like how I approach business and how like my wins and losses are so easy to see who's responsible for those things, you know?
1: (laughs) That's so good and bad but yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. It's like, there's a part of it that's fantastic. And there's part of it that's horrifying, like a (laughs) hundred percent. But so, you know, change it over freelancing is the purest form of business to, you know, (laughs) like to scale them back is like to the question at hand is, you know, when we're talking about the inspiration component, it's hard not to miss that aspect of the fact that we, we have that Autonomy to, to do the work we want to do with the clients we want to do it. And so when we get to like tweak what we're doing or try to roll out a new, you know, uh, service or, or product or whatever, then all of a sudden, like we're, we're getting to, you know, play the business game, like really like firsthand in a way that's like really fun. Like we don't have to spend like Months preparing this whole thing and do this big rollout. Like we can just kind of like iterate and and change and and adapt in a way that that makes it a really fun game for me.
1: That is true. I think um what you're saying a little bit is, as well is something that I find, which is there are so many different aspects that make up the work. It's not just you. Like it's not just me doing lawyer work and providing lawyer service. Um, it's also me running a business. So if the actual work is something that I've done 20 times that month let's say and that part isn't really like um lighting any fires for me <laughs> the mm-hmm. p- the fact that i've done it 20 times this month then <laughs> that means i got 20 different clients and that means that i did well at marketing and look at my metrics they're going really well um that part's inspiring so even when the work is kind of drudgery the business aspect is inspiring and then um I would say the opposite, but I think that there's just always something there's always a factor that that you can focus on and, you know, recharacterize it, reframe it in your head and realize that it's pretty, pretty cool what we're getting to do because we have it. It's all created from our brains um, and you can take like pretty much complete credit for everything.
0: Yeah, I, I think for me, there's one other thing that provides a lot of value um, and that's being able to, and this, this might be different for us. I don't know, but, um, I, I have a handful of brands that I follow that I just really appreciate how they do their advertising brands and oh. brands like, okay. um, you know, um, different companies and getting to watch like a, a brand or a product or a service that I, I think a lot of that, you know, I like what they're doing. I like what, what it is. Mm-hmm. And then I also appreciate how they're marketing it is, is like a really inspiring thing to watch and, and be like, Oh, you know, gosh, wouldn't it be awesome to work with that client someday and get to be a part of what they're doing. Oh, I see. Um, I, I occasionally have, you know, um, I mean, some, some number of my clients are, are products and services I get excited about. And, and probably the majority of them are, are, fine, you know, but that's not like, <laughs> yeah. they're like like speak to my soul in some special way. And, and so like getting to see some of those clients and, and I guess probably I'm honestly objectifying them in, in some way and kind of putting them on a pedestal, but I'm um, getting to see like a product I love do the marketing that I, that I'm really, you know, I see and I, I'm really, um, I really respect is like this perfect combination because even the clients I have where I I really like what they're doing and the internal team is not always like up for trying the things I would want to try for them or doing things the way I would, you know, in a perfect world, I would want to do them. Right. And so to to have like that perfect, you know, and again, even these ones that I'm looking at from the outside in and and I'm I'm just kind of um, pretending like everything's smooth when, you know, in all reality, it probably isn't. But but just dreaming of what it would be like to have a client with the the product or service that you love, that, doing the marketing you love, and and them being supportive of of trying all sorts of new things, um, that kind of thing is is kind of inspiring to watch from the outside, and yeah, kind of pushes you to keep thinking forward.
1: That's really that's really interesting. I am um, because I have all these wonderful clients, but um, mostly I focus on other lawyers when I'm being. Uh, thinking about being inspired. When we initially discussed this topic, I thought, oh, I watch other lawyers and I think, oh, that's a really good lawyer. I like the way they do it. One day I want to be as good as that, or I want to be as esteemed as that, or um, I just want to have that breadth and depth of knowledge so that I can talk with like tons of authority, Um, like that person. And I guess Mm -hmm. because you have fewer clients than I do, like because I need more than you do Um, and the way our businesses are different, um, maybe that makes up the difference. But I had never really thought about paying attention to my dream clients. And now I kind of want to do that because that's a great way to look at it. And, And certainly I have, I mean, I get really inspired, especially the last couple of years, because a lot of my friends and colleagues who are Women of my vintage have secured these really legit um, in-house positions. And so you get to talk to them and they're doing this really interesting, high level legal work. And you get to talk to them about how the legal team of these different really cool uh, companies operates um and i find that inspiring just because you know it's it's women being bosses and you know we we have our hand in all the different um cool companies in colorado and i just think it's nice but um now i'm going to start looking at companies as the ones that i'd most want to work for and follow them
0: yeah i often kind of sit this is yet another tangent but i i often kind of sit and admire them and think Like, should I just be as gutsy as to just reach out to those people and see if I could actually get them as a client? Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, I I mean, there's probably more opportunity there than I make it out to be in my mind. Yeah. And then there's another aspect of it too. That's like, oh, if I, if I did work with them and it was probably more realistic and what it looks (laughs) like than what I make it out to be from the outside, does it like spoil the, the dream of, of you know this this really um, yeah, yeah, you know, this idea that I look at, and I'm inspired by,
1: yeah, I mean, that's the case, that's the the notion of an airport romance, have you heard of that, where mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> you just assume that the like person who's attractive on the airport is like the coolest person in the entire world, <laughs> um, but they're not usually, they're just regular people. Um, but it's still really cool to, I mean, is there a good way that you know of to reach out to just like cold call a dream client and not seem icky?
0: That's a great question. Um, I don't know, probably not. I mean, like, I'm, I'm afraid that a lot of people that do what I do for a living or work in the same industry as me, I'll, I'll say it that way. It's just more appropriate. have kind of ruined that for everyone. You know, because you get all of the like, okay, you know, sp- spammy LinkedIn uh, e- emails that come in through the contact form that are clearly copied and pasted from yeah. something else because the text is a different color. <laughs> and you get you get all of these like quote unquote growth hackers that just like have have ruined like human interaction <laughs> like an, in an honest way.
1: You know, wait, I did. This is a new thing for me. Growth hackers are these the LinkedIn people who are just like requesting everybody to just get as many followers as possible.
0: Yeah. um, Growth hacking is a term that like two years ago, people were actually putting on um, positions like job descriptions on job boards that like they were hiring a growth hacker. Oh Lord. Um, A little less now, but some companies are still of that mindset and it's kind of this notion that you're going to figure out some like squirrely way to game the system, Uh, whatever the system is. And then, then once you figure that out, you're going to exploit like pump lots of resources into it and like do it at scale. And, and that's somehow like, you know, going to put your business on the map. Um, and so like in a lot of ways, like the Nigerian prince that needs you to send him money so that he can get it into the country. Listen. That whole
1: yeah. He's e- email. Yeah. Scam
0: thing. Um, that that's like the, the, like most quintessential growth hacking, right? Like that was like growth hacking before the term existed. And, ah. and it was just this notion of like, we only need 0.2% right. of the people to respond. Like Cause we, the IRS couldn't.
1: thing, the phone calls yeah. from the IRS.
0: <laughs> Completely. Yeah. And and, you know, I, I'm painting this through a real, with a real, uh, cynical brush, but sure. um, my particular mindset more is that you're removing like the human element out of that yeah. and you're, it's just a numbers game and it's, it's almost like you're moving through your prospective customers, like, like locusts, <laughs> you know? Okay. And, and like, yeah. and if it doesn't work or you get to the end, like what's left, what have you done? You know? Yeah.
1: Um, So it's like a, it's just classic tender situation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's not, it's about the numbers game. It's quantity versus quality. So that's ruined it for a lot of people. And also just like everyone, if you get a phone call from the IRS saying they're going to put you in jail um, and you have not previously received tons of written correspondence from the IRS, (laughs) ignore it.
0: probably not true. I'm reminded of when Tom Haverford on Parks and Rec has a dating profile for every possible,
1: every like algorithm option. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, that's like, you know, again, growth hacking. Um, that is a great example. It's so great, Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So anyways, I think that kind of growth hacking niche kind of thing has made it really difficult for someone to reach out. Like when you don't have some sort of third party verifying you, you know, like, I mean, like, I think you can reach out and be like, Hey, you know, brand I love, I have been working in your industry. I've been working with a competitor that I'm not working with anymore. You know, I have some connection that like makes this a little more valid of a, of a reason to reach out.
1: What if you like, you know, developed a relationship with somebody at the, at the company? Is that the only way in basically is to network your way to knowing somebody?
0: Yeah. I, it feels like a th- some sort of third party validation, right? Like that could be a person that could be like, Hey, I, I've, I've been working on a, you know, uh, for another company in this industry for so many years and we've parted ways like, you know, I have all this knowledge, you know, like yeah. to use, um, I mean, some kind of stuff like that starts to make it seem a little bit more legitimate. But from my own experience, um, when I, I white label my services for a handful of agencies and when I was yeah. first getting started, I was reaching out to agencies just in like a, a two hour radius of, yeah. of where I was. Cause I was kind of thinking I might go and meet some people in person and do the whole thing. And like nine out of 10 people just didn't even respond <laughs> to like me reaching out. And it's like you know, I tried to make the email as human as possible, not like something I just copied and pasted and sent right. to a million people. But I, it's so hard because even the spammy people try to you know, you know, their subject line has a, a, a re in it, you know. Yeah like you know, <laughs> emailed them and like email clients still do that. Um and has all these elements to it that, you know, are trying to make it seem authentic. So I think our our <laughs> barrier for that. Like we've just gotten so good at ignoring all that. Um, that it makes it really difficult.
1: That's a good point. I, uh, back before I left the main employer when I was, or my last traditional employer, I, um, I sent some letters in the mail. Nice. Uh, to, to my, I thought, who do I want to work for? And I sent, um, honest to goodness, uh, letters in the U S <laughs> postal service to, uh, I think, too, that I can think of, um, of my ideal employers. And I did that because, uh, I couldn't find the email address for the general counsel <laughs> at the place that I wanted to work. Um, and I thought, well, I know how to reach them because I know where they are located and maybe this will, uh, help me out. Maybe this will show them. I really mean it. I'm a millennial and that's how mail works <laughs> and, uh, never heard back from me. Either, so, so innovative. <laughs> Yeah, nobody cared. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh it it gets easier. Like I think, I mean, I, we just said made fun of the whole "it's a numbers game" thing. But I do think that it's very helpful for your own personal feelings to at least do like put yourself out there more often than not. Because it, you know, if you only ever write one email or letter like that and you don't get a response, it's a huge disappointment. And it feels like a rejection. But if you know, if you do it more often, then you start to pay attention only to the ones that work out.
0: I have a lot more thoughts on that. That venture into like the marketing world, which yeah, isn't what we're trying to talk about today. But
1: we're talking about staying inspired.
0: That <laughs> is right. So I'll ask you. Uh, the same question, but like on a different level. Yeah. Are, are there things you do to stay inspired at like a micro level? Like mm-hmm. um, like if I get all this stuff done by the end of the week, I'm going to check out early and reward myself with uh, X. Or like do you do any of that kind of stuff to just like yeah. you know, maybe as much keep you motivated as keep you inspired?
1: Yeah. On the inside, I'm like just – the classic toddler. <laughs> like, I'm just negotiating <laughs> with myself constantly. Like, all right, just finish this one thing and you can have a snack. <laughs> like, you just have one call. And if you can sit still for one hour, then you can go to the gym. <laughs> like, I is, love that. I'm both the toddler and the parent. And it's just this <laughs> excessive conversation that never, never ceases. All day long, every day. <laughs> That's the only reason I do anything. So. <laughs>
0: two cookies.
1: Yeah. Two cookies, one M&M. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, rewards and punishments. Uh, they're elaborate. My systems for, for staying uh, motivated and efficient. And I'm not, I mean, part of me is joking about that, but part of me isn't. <laughs> um, you know, and, and for me, like at baseline, I happen to be, as you know, brother more than anyone else at like, Coming out of my shell when I was birthed, I have always been a really disorganized person. So everything that I do to stay organized is like this huge um, system that I've put in place so that I can become more organized. (laughs) So I really have to force myself to do it. It doesn't like I'm not one of those people who had. 7,000 different colors of gel pens and love to like color things in different colors based on what they were uh, in school. I was the one who like turned in the homework that was all crumpled up. Yes, I can confirm all of this. (laughs) So for me, all of my systems are really intentional and I work really hard at them um, so that they work. And staying inspired is one of them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you were 100%... Like yeah. to compare the two of us since, since we're there, so I'm just gonna say it. Yeah,
1: I did bring it up.
0: I, I was the 15 color gel pen person and that had spent like way too much time on the project and like would turn it in with all of my hopes and dreams and get like a B. And you were the person that showed up late for class, sometimes missing a shoe.
1: And I did do that.
0: Like with your wrinkled up thing that would like get a great, grade that made people like <laughs> me really angry because it was like, cool, I'm I'm glad I'm taking this seriously. And Sarah's getting a better grade than me.
1: <laughs> but your closets still are way better than mine. <laughs> so who won here? You know, um, <laughs> my, my closets are a mess. Uh, but overall, I think we've kind of equaled out. We've
0: we've we've adapted as needed. um. True. So are any of the, your elaborate kind of things, have, have you found anything that like, uh, is is really beneficial or learned anything from that, that, that you'd want to share with, uh, listeners?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've already talked about it a little bit. Um, and I can't, I say it super passionately, which is, you know, cut your losses when you're not being productive, go do something else. Um, and I say that, uh passionately not because i know how to do it and i'm good at it but because those are sentences i say to myself all the time and i'm trying to get better at like you know sarah you're not being productive <laughs> like just get up go do something else um that's really helpful for me actually having meetings and the way that i schedule my meetings is really become quite intentional and i, le- I learned that largely from you brother um but it's like um having no meeting in a day isn't always great for me. Um, having one really early, uh, where, you know, I know that I'm going to be like caffeinated and, and operational earlier than normal, and I can start my day earlier than normal. Um, that's great for me. Um, so I will schedule a morning meeting, um, A lot of days to really make sure that I'm getting where I need to go on time and in phone calls, same way. I try to give myself two hours between phone calls um, where I can so that I can do the work that the phone call creates, because usually... you know if you have a call with with your lawyer it's about something that you want your lawyer to do so i try to you know do it when it's really fresh in my mind and i'm enthused about it and all of the little tiny things that the client said are still like swimming around in my head and the stuff that's smaller than what you would even write down so And a whole bunch of that's the beauty. We get to make our own schedule. We get to create our own things. So you can use your your um, meetings and phone calls to make yourself more productive, but also staying engaged more. And I guess that's really what I'm answering is how I stay engaged more than stay inspired.
0: Something I've been toying with is trying to make the quality of the time we have as a family, like my wife and daughter and I, like trying to make that better like more, um, intentional, uh, my wife and I both can be guilty of just working all the time, like from our phones or whatever. Yeah. And so, um, if we're not careful all of the time that we have childcare to work, we, we work all that time. And then the rest of our lives look a lot like running errands and trying to fill in the gap because we've, you know, been working the whole time. Yeah. And I realize that's like a normal thing that people with nine to five jobs deal with. I understand that, but like, I'm, I have the freedom to explore other options. So I am. Yeah. And so one of one of the things I've been doing kind of picking back off of this notion that, you know, after so many hours of working each day, I'm kind of mentally, you know, gone is use the last part of the day in which we have childcare to do other stuff. Some of the errands, some of the, um, other, uh, aspirational kind of things. Um, uh, exercise. I've, I've just started taking some, some golf lessons, oh, like cool. some other things like that. So that I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. I've got, you know, I've got a hard stop at like three o'clock today, you know? Yeah. And, and so like, um here's what I have to get done and so like I'm going to force myself to get it done in this period of time yeah so that I can go do the other thing and so to some degree it's it's a, like a reward system right like yeah. if, in the case of the golf lesson it is um going to like the a toddler store, needs maybe less. <laughs> yeah. yeah completely but it's um it, it is ultimately that same like uh same system but I think we've talked about Parkinson's law before but it's the notion that Uh, a a task or set of tasks will take up the amount of time you have to give to it. Yeah, And, and so to some degree, I'm kind of forcing myself to stay focused and on point and say, Oh, I've got to get these five things done. And I have until 2 PM today. Yeah, Like, you know, I have that hard stop. That's not just like, um, I've, I've found like our babysitter leaving is usually not, a good enough hard stop because okay. like we'll, we'll go sit on the couch and let our daughter watch a TV show and we're still working on our laptops. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's kind of this weird or, or my, you know, my wife will go hang out with my daughter while I finish up what I'm working on. And, and we kind of have this weird, our afternoon is not great time to spend with her or great time working. It's yeah. Somewhere in between.
1: It's the twilight. And, like, <laughs> like when you can't sleep, but you're, <laughs> you're not all the way awake and productive and you're just being miserable laying there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Completely. It's the, the weird gray area in between that you're doing all things poorly. Yeah. Um, so anyways, that, uh, I'll, I'll maybe report back on that in a future episode, but that's kind of been the thing I've been trying just the last probably two weeks. Um, that flies a little bit in the face of like my days of no meetings kind of rules. Yeah. Because um, I am putting stuff on my calendar those days, but I also feel like it's forcing my hand at what's important for that morning in, yeah. in a way that's that's beneficial.
1: I totally agree with that. I just started taking those Spanish lessons last week. Yeah. Uh, uh, (laughs) For that reason. And they start at five. And I think it'll be really good for truncating my work to make sure that... Um, you know, get things done a little bit quicker. Um, and then also maybe give me a reason to not say yes to every single happy hour.
0: <laughs> because
1: mm, yeah. Well, and their happy hours. There's a lot of, a lot of cheese to be eaten and wine to be drank. And I don't need to, I don't, <laughs> I can't make a dent in it myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, um, really excited about it though. It's really fun. And it's exactly like an episode of community in every way. And then it's great. No way different. Um, I really like that. And you know what? I was at um, my independent law group meeting, um, which is a happy hour um, on Friday. And uh, two of those folks have Teslas. And they were talking about charging their Teslas and um, for like a big trip. And I guess that those batteries charge up to 90% in like an hour or something i'm making up that increment but like let's say it takes an hour to go from zero to 90 but then it takes another hour to get from 90 to 100
0: oh interesting
1: yeah and i was like what a metaphor (laughs) yeah yeah that's such a great
0: That, that needs to be in a, a PowerPoint slide deck <laughs> yeah. somehow.
1: Like a real pretentious slide deck for all you Tesla <laughs> owners out there.
0: <laughs> when you present to your, uh, your room full of VC, uh, <laughs> that, investors.
1: Yeah. That'd be the right, the right audience probably, but uh-huh. you know, that's, that is so true. And I think about that with school, definitely. Like, I mean, you, you said that thing and. Um I feel like I cracked that code really early for like the ninety percent that you needed to do to get a good grade. But then to get like a hundred percent, you had to do double that amount of work. Um yeah, efficiency. Hmm. Um it seems to relate here. So I'm gonna be thinking of my brain as a Tesla battery a lot more.
0: I like it. I like it.
1: A lot more than I already do, to be clear. <laughs>
0: You have to periodically pull over and, uh, refuel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pull out. you got to plan your refueling stations, mm-hmm. and then get get zero to 90. That's fine. Don't expect perfection. Just, you know, come back next time. Um, and you know, fill up and get going again. Cause it really, that's the biggest thing that I think slows people down is just, they can't move forward without having everything a hundred percent. With any little project and then bigger ones as well. So Tesla's moved forward at 90%, guys. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. What's the, uh, um, uh- Done, not perfect.
1: Yeah, done is better than perfect. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, obviously I say that as a lawyer and I I seek a high level of like perfection in what I do. (laughs) But that's the work product. (laughs) It's all get your
0: 90% quality work done with Sarah.
1: (laughs) That's horrible. I have perfect work. Um but, you know, everything else, like the way I structure my days and everything, I try to make sure that I have as much efficiency as possible, especially because I bill people by the hour. So, you know, if somebody, if I can do things more efficiently by doing, you know, one thing first and then talking and then doing the next thing, I'll order them in that way. I'm all about efficiency.
0: Yeah, I like it.
1: And we've talked a lot about how to like to stay engaged, but I mean, is there a more esoteric way that you stay inspired? Like, do you grab everything? Maybe I sh- should have been a pediatrician or, you know, just something random. Like, are you still happy doing what you're doing? And if so, what about it keeps you liking your profession?
0: Um, yeah, you're, you're taking like the, the foot view yeah. of staying, uh, motivated. I like that. Um, y- yes, I still love what I do. Um, the job I had, but be- while I was living out my, uh, my phone non-compete, <laughs> um, see, see previous episode, um, (laughs) was a job that kind of created, it opened more doors for me. It was like a a new role in a new industry. And it was like, Oh, okay. I could, I could, I could venture in a different direction that I've, I've never considered. And there's something really nice about coming back to the thing that I was really familiar with. And, and I haven't regretted that, um, that being digital advertising, um, that being said, I think, a lot about the fact that the nature of, of what I'm specifically good at is nearing kind of the top of the bell curve of kind of the, mm. the life cycle of of this type of marketing. And, um, and so there's that kind of puts this interesting pressure on me to consider what's next, you know, and it's, it's not like what's next this year. It's not, Next month, or even maybe three years down the road, but like right. at some point, like I'm gonna need to be able to take the skill set I've developed doing what I do now and transition that towards something that looks hopefully, com- hopefully complementary but different. Yeah. You know, and and so there are some people like you know authors and speakers and stuff that I'm m- more um, interested in and follow much more closely than anyone else I do. Uh, digitally, mm-hmm. um, for that purpose, that's, that's kind of forcing me to think about bigger picture trends, you know, how we, um, just marketing from a, a, a broader perspective, not just, you know, digital, not just Google AdWords or, you know, pay-per-click ads. Right. And so that kind of stuff is interesting. And I'm, I've actually found myself already kind of investing some time and money into some classes and some books and some whatever to, to further that education. But, yeah. um, you, you know, there's always this temptation that, that like you're, and especially in my world, everything's changing so rapidly. Even the stuff I'm doing daily is changing, you know, pretty, pretty quickly that like, it's not unreasonable to think that the next big thing, this wave that I've ridden the last 10 years of my career isn't going to come to an end. And like, I'm going to have to figure out how to position myself onto the next wave. And so, um, again, from like the, we talked about very early on in this episode about just figuring out business. That's like a really fun business challenge for me to have. And, and like from, um, like places I've worked before, no one gives a crap what Rob thinks about this thing. He just needs to like (laughs) get back to, to doing the thing we pay him to do. Right. Like it's fun for me to have the opportunity to not only think and dream about what that is, but like directly influence, I mean, like my life depends on it, you know, not my life, my livelihood depends on it. And, and so it's like, you know, high stakes gambling in a way that is exciting, you know,
1: Hmm. that's interesting. I don't, you don't strike me as a gambler. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, it's strategic and it's like, it's more like risk aversion or it is. Yeah. 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 Um, Analysis. Yeah
0: uh, risk avoidance. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. What was that, um, CPA saying?
0: <laughs> yeah. There's a CPA saying it's not uh tax ev- evasion. It's task tax avoidance. Um, <laughs> and, and so to me it's, it's not risk, uh, evasion, evasion. It's <laughs> risk avoidance. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I think from the perspective of me just being someone that is not a gambler in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's, um, I, I don't, uh, I saw a stat the other day, 97% of people who go freelance have no desire to go back to their full-time job. I'm one of those 97% of people. And like, like I will work really hard to, yeah. to make sure that if I ever have to go back to traditional employment, it's, it's because it's, I've given it my all, and it just still hasn't worked. Yeah, you know, like it's not going to be because it like snuck up on me, and I got blindsided, and now like I got fat and lazy, and, yeah. and so now I've you know gotten caught. It's going to be like extenuating circumstances, and and probably more than anything, that's the thing that that quote unquote keeps me up at night. Yeah, of of the fear that like you know I'm not going to have thought big enough picture or looked further far enough down the road. And, and all of this is going to kind of change out from underneath me.
1: That makes a ton of sense. I mean, I have that same concern with artificial intelligence and the automation that is happening in, mm-hmm. in my field, which doesn't keep people up at night as much as it should. Um, and then, you know, a lot of what I do is more intrapersonal um, like, counseling business owners on different ways and, and less just like rote document uh production there's obviously that component but um it's intentional because i want to make sure you know that uh, you know i want to make sure that there's something that i'm bringing to the table forever that um you can't get from just a pretty uh, straightforward software program yeah and then also for for me, I think about a lot the same situation, but in a shorter term, which is like I do businesses, I set up businesses, I deal with um contracts between people who are creating new businesses or new lines for products or licensing, or it's all very like businesses booming type of stuff, and in the event of an economic downturn, um I think that that's gonna vary you know that's something I think about a lot. that's what keeps me up at night is how that will affect my client base and their needs and what I can do to make sure that I have um, considered that so that I am not blindsided by it. And I I see it for what it is when it's coming. You know, I'm not just sitting there going, I guess it was another slow month. Like, I go, Oh, (laughs) it's finally happening. I better, you know, shift gears and make sure that I'm working really hard in this other direction
0: you know, you're working on your like, um, foreclosure, (laughs) (laughs) like brushing
1: up on a bankruptcy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Like ready to kick, kick in that second gear. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, I'm being facetious when I say that, but there is some notion of like, um, I remember just as as someone who's interested in personal finance, watching a lot of the things that happened during the last, you know, whatever they called it, the great recession Mm -hmm. and, and seeing like, I, I, you know, we were young, didn't have a lot of money to to make any, you know, wins or losses during that season. But I was like, gosh, this is a this is one of those seasons where I think I'm going to live through another one of these in my life. And like, yeah, like I should pay attention now to ensure that I, I live that next You know that next iteration successfully. You know, yeah, and 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 so I feel that you know what you're alluding to is is very similar. And from a business standpoint, like we've each been doing this for about two years. Like, yeah, we we have to realize that's you know the the picture is much broader.
1: Yeah, and those two years have been you know kind of booming years. So Mm -hmm. I think it's great, but uh you're not insulated from that at a traditional employer people lose their jobs in economic downturns downturns all the time um but it's it's just you know when you're out on your own you've just really it's helpful if you can kind of look into the future and try to uh, create some contingencies now i like that that's our geeky solution to staying inspired, which took a weird apocalyptic downturn. <laughs> <laughs> I feel inspired. I don't know about you, Rob <laughs> Uh,
0: yeah. No, I uh I, I mean at the end of the day, like to me it's it's about appreciating what I have and, and the benefits of the the career path I've chosen. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's enjoying those and preparing myself to fight, to keep them, you know, I mean, that's really what inspires me to keep pushing is, is to, uh, to maintain what I've found and am very thankful for. And so from that perspective, it's, it's, um, it's wonderful and it's exciting to, to be able to see wins and, and even sometimes losses in that situation because you, you're refining you're getting better and you're, um, preparing the side of your business that would not exist otherwise.
1: Yeah, totally. So all of that. That's exactly right. It is exciting. It's really fun.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the, you know, the more upbeat, uh, heart, heartfelt ending. I feel like we really turned it around. (laughs) Apocalyptic show. (laughs) Uh, well, well, cool. Uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts. And, um, yeah. Uh, uh, if you were to ask one thing of our listeners, what would that be?
1: I would ask for them to subscribe and review us on iTunes, but I would also ask them to join our Facebook group.
0: That is two things. I said one.
1: Well, listen, this whole episode has been about thinking outside the box, and I don't like your (laughs) limitations. I reject Uh the construct.
0: (laughs) If the market takes a real nosedive before it tanks, please subscribe (laughs) and review us on iTunes. (laughs)
1: Can we just replay first this like, we totally called it. <laughs> yeah, first things first, subscribe. Subscribe and give us some stars. <laughs> um, that is what I would ask. Awesome. And, uh, you know, reach out. Let us know on federated.studio. Um, let us know your plans for the apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> and what keeps you inspired. <laughs>
0: I love it. Good, good chatting, Sarah. All
1: right. Talk to you later. Have a good week.